Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Poetic Resurrection. Today, we have Dr. Egypt Aradia. Yes. Aradia. Why do I not want to get that right? We've discussed this of people. So, you know, out there, I've asked her like five times how to say her name. She is a poet and a healer. Today, she's going to read the poem, My Childlike Eyes. So welcome, Egypt. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you for having me here. Oh, I've been looking forward to it. You ready to read your poem? Childlike eyes. At times I want to dissolve into the void, into the place where I lay nameless, where I possess no attachment to the weight of the world, place where no tongue wags in my honor or in my disdain, where I can be me, where I can be free. I want to rest free held by the knowingness of the mother Gaia, for the love has flowed without condition. She has seen my darkest clouds, yet carried me through. I'm wary of ever seeking the eyes of others, of ever proving my worth to be seen or heard. I'm fatigued with the many masks I must wear, not included in my own. I want a sweet liberation, that which only the nothingness holds. What I speak of is not death. It's not an uncoupling of this mortal coil. What I speak of is not a hermitage, not a recall away from this world. No, what I speak of is the untethering of my mind from the cares of others, from frivolous yearnings that holds no essence. I seek for a new mind unweighted with the many burdens of fixed paradigms. I want to once again see the world anew. Like the first day I kiss the earth hello, I ask again for my childlike eyes. That's so beautiful. I mean, I could so relate to that. Yeah. So I have questions about this because it's so beautifully done, you know, the innocence of childlike eyes. Yeah, we see we don't we get trained and go into perceptions about what life should be or how it should be or how we should act and everything. So the first part of it is that feeling of nothingness. Is it a detachment from the earthbound, like the spirit, the soul? I think for me. It's a very multidimensional experience. On one hand, it is that nothingness, almost like a primordial essence, which I feel that all souls originate from before we then, you know, come into this existence and take on different, different maybe past karmic influences or different perceptions or paradigms that we're taught um, from society. It's almost like that primordial innocence, that primordial beingness, if that makes sense. Before we come into this world and we experience this physical world and we start to have 
so many attachments to ourselves in terms of things like our our labels and our roles and how we see life. They're all forms of attachment, either in the physical, mental, or spiritual plane. So that's the nothingness I'm like alluding to. It's an energy. We all come from that innocent energy. There was a quote in an interview I did, and it just came off the top of my head. And then it's like, I've been using it since. The soul whispers as the mind screams. The soul whispers as the mind screams. Because all our perceptions and all our belief systems and everything overcome our soul energy, I find. Yes. And our soul is pure. I mean, there's just, it's not, it's not going to hate. It's not going to, it's just, it's just there. Yes. So on the second stanza, I have like the soul being, the soul or the being being carried because you Mm -hmm. go into, for the love has flowed without condition. She has seen my darkest clouds yet carried me through. Yes. That one, that was a deep one for me. (laughs) Like most things in my life. Yes. (laughs) It's how I see love, how I view love. As a healer, I view love almost like a wholeness, this indivisible energy that encompasses everything. And I, I, I view it as when we're in love or when we carry through our lives with love, there is no judgment. There is no right or wrong. There is no mistakes. We've not made any mistakes in our life. If we are abiding in love energy, love doesn't judge us. It's we're complete. We're already complete. We may have even, for example, a, a chronic illness or we might suffer you know, loss or we might have um, societal shame be put on us, but we're still complete through that. We're still complete. And, you know, love, if we align our thinking with the, frequency that we are love we we are loved we are part of that essence you can feel complete regardless of any life circumstance that you're going through and it's for me like my personal soul work and this ties into my love of poetry as well is almost a remembering of that notion that like we all come from pure love. We are all pure love, regardless of how we have been broken and shamed and experienced trauma through life and, you know, let our dreams fly away or what have we. When you remember where we came from and what we are, it's a very empowering, peaceful belief system. To me, it's, it's truth. It's truth. It's not just a belief. It's truth. Even yeah. in, a, in a love relationship, sometimes you fall in love with someone that you would never have thought that you would fall in love with. And that it, because of our, what we think we should be with, who we think we should associate with. And then sometimes you fall in love with someone that is the opposite of what you thought you wanted. And it is totally. Yeah. And it's pure love. You're like, wait a minute. You're not even my type. You're not. I know. (laughs) I totally experienced that. I know. It's like, where did you come from? But yet, yes. it's your soul that that love energy overpowers yes. it and it okay. it changes it. It gives you you learn to know that what your your biases or 
preconceived notions of what love is don't really exist. Exactly. It's what you actually feel. So that's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I resonate with what you just said completely. Yes. I underlined this one. I want a sweet liberation, that which only the nothingness holds. Now, you did hit upon this in the first stanza, and you explained it. Would that one be, because you're talking about, I'm fatigued with the many masks I wear, not including my own. To take on the last line that you read out, it's um a lot of my, I guess, my work is just birthed out of my personal experience. And it's almost like, like I use poetry as almost like I'm nurturing my muse, but I'm using my words to somehow heal myself at the same time. One thing I've personally gone through in my life is this feeling or this tension that I've kind of grappled with. And some days I still grapple with it, but I feel like I, I became 40 in December. So I feel I'm a little bit more self-aware. I'm more, I'm more grounded in my, in myself, but just going through life earlier on, um, I felt this tension between trying to live out my true authenticity and be my own person and walk my own kind of lone wolf path and the tension with, you know, trying to, um, well, I guess I didn't try too hard, but at one point I tried a little bit to like do what was deemed as appropriate and what was deemed as the right thing to do or what would look successful in the eyes of people looking into my life. And just being a very like kind of reflective type of person in general, that created a lot of tension and toxicity going through life I felt like I wasn't authentic to my true self it was very emotionally draining and hence why I allude to the the feeling of fatigue it was very I think a lot of the pains that comes from kind of this modern lifestyle like another aspect of me is that I'm, I'm trying to adopt a more minimalist simple living lifestyle I think a lot of the stresses that comes through life is because like we're not pursuing our own inner authenticity. It, it, the society's kind of set up in a way that it's it's more challenging to be your true authentic self, you know? And that that to me can nurture a kind of soul, soul sickness when you're not truly living through your authenticity and stepping into your power because you're trying to be everybody else but yourself. And sometimes when you try to be everybody else, you kind of forget like, you know, who you are, what your values are. You're just trying to please everybody else but yourself, you know? You know, I think we have learned from something like that. By the way, you do not look 40. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm like, she in her 20s, you know? I wish. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like, we would like the youth with our current mind because I would not want to have the thinking mind I had in my youth whatsoever because it was yeah. too, uh, there was trauma and, you know, I don't want it back. But mm. when you said about what well, we do, we wear all these masks and then we realize that sometimes you pay dues for wearing a mask that's not even yours. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's why if I'm going to pay or something, let it be paying for well, who I am, not oh, for wow. someone I pretended to be. 
Oh, I love yes. the way you put it. You put it so beautifully. Oh, paying Jews. <laughs> paying Jews for, yeah. Yeah, we all do that. We, we, you know, it's like, well, I should behave like this. And then we go through a hard time with that. It's like, I'm going through a hard time for something that I made up. I know, right? I wasn't true to myself. And now I have to deal with trying to keep up this aura or this belief of success, which I didn't have. Yeah. You know? So I, yes. I totally get that. And, you know, you go through many careers, like you're actually a medical doctor. How did yes. that, that was that something you wanted? Or was it something that was transitional for you? Oh, that's a whole other can of worms, but I'll make it succinct as best as I can. But mm -hmm. um, I think it was just like growing up, essentially. So my background, like I grew up in the UK for the most part. And I'm like, third generation, second generation, Nigerian, British, so like West African in origin. So as I was growing up, you know, my family had a very kind of, well, I was raised primarily by my mother who had a very strong education ethic about like, you must be educated. And she had her notions of what she thought education was. Mm -hmm. And it was like going through like conventional school, following the system, you know, coming home with good grades, ticking all the boxes and what have you. So um, I did well at school, but I think my driving force was the fact that I was curious. I was like insatiably curious when I was young. I wanted to just like learn things and know things. And I was fascinated by truth and knowledge. You kind of do well in school when you're fascinated by that. But long story short, because of my academic leanings, my mom pushed heavily for like, oh, you're going to be a doctor. Like I kind of, it was set. Like when I was probably like eight years old from seven, eight, my mom was like, you're going to be a doctor. Cause I was doing well. So you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a doctor. So I think after a while, just growing up with that almost conditioning or like, and she was an overbearing mother, you know, in, in all <laughs> fairness, but yeah. <laughs> so I, it was like, I felt like, Oh, my life was kind of preset on that track. I didn't see many other options. I was like, Oh, you just, kind of do what your parents say right so I was like okay I'm gonna be a doctor even though up until the stage I actually did go to medical school and what have you I flirted with considering other routes I wanted to take in life like I'd always enjoyed dancing I it was funny because even though I really excelled at the sciences and maths and things like that like inside of me I love the arts I love the arts like I love I've always loved words and I loved reading a lot that was like my escape thing when I was younger I love the arts I love dancing I was like I could just like travel the world and be a dancer right and my mom was like oh no 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 <laughs> you're gonna be a doctor <laughs> So I always loved the arts. So um, so some tension was built around like what I'm good at versus what I really love. And I think just due to where my headspace was and my the influences around me, I chose what I was good at more than what I loved more. You know, so I did go through med school and all that. And, and I did have a, a lean in towards, I wanted to be useful. I wanted to be a useful member of society and help people. Um, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. Like I could, you know, be some kind of guide. Like even when I, I train and I practice medicine, I never really adopted that almost authoritative stance that you can sometimes get within the conventional medical paradigm where like, oh, I'm your doctor and I 
write a prescription or I give you some lifestyle recommendations, you just follow it. For me, I was, I wanted to co-create health with my patients. You know, I, I saw myself as like so privileged to like have some knowledge about the human body, just some knowledge that I could help somebody. So I saw myself more as a guide. So I love that aspect of it. It was still within me that I like, I was interested in the arts and I was interested in travel and cultures and like, I'm a multi-potentialite. So I'm passionate about a few things, like really passionate. So I just, I reached a point in my life I started to question it a lot and at the same time I was going through my spiritual journey and process as well so I just started to question you know the choices I'd made how I was living my life and I just feel like a life that you don't even attempt to pursue your deep passions it's a life devoid of beauty that's how I see it yeah um and I you know the thing that if you get trained for one thing in your life, people say, well, no, I'm trained in that. So that's all I'm going to be. No, we're, we're so multifaceted as, yes. as just being human. I've always been into the arts, but I have a very analytical mind too. I love mm. the sciences. You know, I love stuff like physics and anything that has to do with multi-dimension and how it could exist and all this other kind of stuff. And then oh, I- Oh yes, quantum yes, physics yeah, and all that. <laughs> and I think you're doing the same thing because you know what, it's traditional religion, they refer to things as realms, but they're kind of really talking about dimensions. Mm-hmm. There's that spiritual aspect. I think that finally science is crossing over with it. Yeah. Science has been studying a lot of the Hindu scriptures, the old ones. And they've been finding, oh, yes. yes, they've been finding a lot of experiments of like a blimp or something that existed 3000 years ago on how to make that. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Wow. I know. But, Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah. So I want to get back into the spirit and free and being on your poetry. And there was one thing that you mentioned earlier about minimalism. And since we're talking about spirituality, do you feel there's some uh, native cultures and all over the world, not just America, that believe that the more possessions we have, or even a certain possession, just having that possession, we give it part of our spirit. Yes. I think we do. That's why it's so hard to get rid of stuff. And yet the less you have, the more calm you are. Yes. Yes. Your last stanza. I really like the first day I kissed the earth. Hello. I ask again for my childlike eyes. That reminds me of that theory of new earth. Are you familiar with the theory of new earth? No. Can you um, expand on that? I'm not quite sure. I want to make sure it's the thing I'm thinking of. There's not a lot on it, but there's a theory on new earth that earth is just going to be, uh, we're in the process of it. We're just like phasing into another, like the earth is changing and it's going to phase into another dimension. And those that are ready in that energy to move to the new earth will. It's people who are loving, who who have come to terms with love and forgiveness. And they're stating that the reason we have such dichotomy right now is because Mm. it is separating. And the, and the earth is a spirit. It has a soul. It is living. Yes. And it's morphing. Hence why we have so many earthquakes and fires and floods and hurricanes. All this Mm. stuff is happening now because it's changing. And if we don't change, we can't stay on it. 
the earth is a gift. It, it allows us to live on it. And you I refer know, right? to Gaia, yes. you know, it, which yes. is earth. And we should appreciate it. And it's talking about the dichotomy now because it's splitting. So okay. I kind of got that feeling from your last, because it's like a rebirth to see it yes. with the eyes of innocence. The eyes of innocence. Yeah. 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 Would you yeah, like to elaborate it's, it's, on that last stanza? Yes. That new earth, how you explain that, that's actually very interesting. And knowing me being the research rabbit I am, I'm totally going to have to like <laughs> crawl into that rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> but um, it's funny, you see, like, I think life on one aspect is the paradox. You know, we exist within paradox. Like life is basically, it's pretty simple. But then as humans, we make it super complicated almost sometimes for a little reason. So it's funny because I, I feel like we're born at least into the physical incarnation and unto earth. And we have this, um, this innocence. We came out of pureness, pure love, what have you, the love sense. We're born and we're innocent. And then we like through different experiences and attachments and learnings and unlearnings and what have we, we add all these stuff, mental and spiritual and physical mm -hmm. stuff into our lives. And we almost like if people maybe get on the self-growth, self-transformation or a spiritual path, it's like an unlearning. And we're trying to almost return back to this childlike innocence that we came from. So we did all that hoorah-rah in between our lives and just to get back to the basics. And that can be one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult things or journeys that anyone can take in life. because. It's easier, I find, the way the world is set up, it's almost easier to just live a very complex, complicated, trauma-filled life. It's easier than to step on the path of truth and the, the path of question, the path of like remembering of your soul and who you are and stepping into your power. That takes work. That takes a lot of grit and courage. And it takes a lot of dismantling of our mental comfort zones and mm -hmm. that that's a very painful process and it's often one that like as healers creatives light workers you know star seeds whatever we want to call ourselves we're often when we step on that path you don't have a, a an army cheering you on <laughs> it, it doesn't happen mm -hmm. most times you have resistance you know so it takes a lot of courage to do but for me it's like it's worth it a life where I can't live with truth for me truth I mean I've had a few kind of words I love words like I love words and the powers they hold because to me words are spells you know and how yeah. we use our words are very powerful and words like truth and beauty and freedom there's just a frequency and a power that they hold that for me living a life that's at least trying to be aligned with those paradigms and words it's just it's fulfilling it's automatically fulfilling and it's free for the most part you exactly know? <laughs> you know what? it's like there's so little we really need to survive we need a community to belong to because we are social beings I'll go out to a place and I'm like oh how are you and everything and then I want to go yes. home and that's my sanctuary that's where I have peace. I don't, I don't want yes. more because I've already put all my energy into energy. going out. That energy that you give out 
And it's true. You learn. But when you take this path, at least for me, it was like I felt such a desire. I felt like I needed to help people. There was a real desire and need. I because I think knowledge is incredible, but knowledge doesn't have to come from a four-year college, which now are really oh, five-year totally college. Totally not. Most of my life existence, I learned from experience, and I hate to say this, YouTube. <laughs> oh, I love YouTube. <laughs> I need to know how to do something. Somebody on YouTube is going to know how to do it. So yes, <laughs> I have learned so much from that, but also the spiritual aspect. You know, mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted more, but I was looking for that spiritualism. And then I got into high school and I started learning about different cultures and different scriptures. It was fascinating mm-hmm. to me. So there's always been that spiritual aspect, mm-hmm. but I don't know, like you, I fought, I don't know if you felt the same as what I'm trying to say. I fought okay. my spiritual side because I thought that I, like you wanting to be a doctor, I thought that I had to make money. I had to do this. I had to do that. And I wasn't happy with it, even yes. though I had a knack for it. Yes, I, I can totally relate with that, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 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 So I want to know about your journey. We already talked yes. about how you became a doctor. Mm-hmm. When you say uh, metaphysician, Mm -hmm. what is a metaphysician? And so that people can understand. Metaphysics essentially is beyond the material realm. For me, it's the body of knowledge, as well as the learning process of learning the natural laws. You know, there are human laws, you know, the legal systems and what have you, and there are natural laws. And natural laws exist. Metaphysics is that, um, so it's a body of the natural laws themselves and the process of learning about them. And natural laws, we don't have to believe in them. It doesn't matter, but they exist. It's like gravity. You don't have to believe in gravity, but if you jump off a cliff, gravity will work. (laughs) So <laughs> hopefully there's something I catch you like water below. <laughs> I know, or like have a parachute or something. So and metaphysics is for me also the study of the occult. I, I'm an occultist. And like some people hear the world occult, and maybe due to what they've read or seen in movies, they're like, ooh, occult, it's dark and they it's think evil. black magic or something like they that. They think black magic. But essentially, occult just it, as a word just means hidden. It just means the body of knowledge that wasn't widely, like throughout history, hasn't been widely available to the masses. You have to be either initiated or go under an apprenticeship system, or you have to go through several spiritual or herbal cleansing regimes or what have you to have access to that body of knowledge. So it was hidden body of knowledge. So I'm an occultist in the terms of like, I like to study the hidden arts, the hidden sciences that inform us about the natural laws of nature and that informs us about things like the spiritual realm, things like the Akashic records, things like magic, you know, all these things have existed and they do exist throughout 
human existence. And I'm curious about that. I also have certain practices that I use in my own daily life or to help me, to help me navigate the world. I mean, it's almost like they say sometimes in life you you lean towards things just to help yourself. You just want a better life. It's as simple as that. I want, I want more from life and not more in the sense of I want more stuff because actually you want less stuff. But I feel like you can get more out of life. You can get more power. You can get more wisdom. You can get more healing and health and joy and bliss. Like if I can tap into more of that, why not? And metaphysics, occultic studies and practice help me. They've been powerful healing and just um, balancing tools for me to better navigate life. Yeah. Yeah. And no, and I I find that very true. The natural laws are fascinating to me. And you're right, it's hidden. Unless you are accepted into an organization like, uh, you know, a shaman who would take you under the wing. And that's very hard to find to have someone do that because normally it's very cultural based. And Mm -hmm. it's you pass it on with your the, the culture. And that kind of stuff. And then there's the real commercial ones that have, you know, come come to my seminar and pay six thousand dollars for it and to be enlightened yeah (laughs) that to me is like and i'll I'll buy Mm. your dvds or whatever i mean i'll watch your streaming i'll pay for it or youtube (laughs) oh yeah or youtube (laughs) so i have like i subscribe to gaia because oh yes they're beautiful yeah to me that's i use that in my poetry because my mind thinks that way. My mind thinks in the supernatural realm. Yes. You know, when I write, I make it science fiction because like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you. How, how does your poetry come to you? It comes to me in any and every way. It, sometimes it's um, whilst I meditate and I'll have insights. Sometimes it's while I'm doing ritual work, I'll have insights. Sometimes it's as mundane as when I'm like chopping up tomatoes in the kitchen. You know, yeah. <laughs> it just comes to me wherever and whenever. Um, sometimes I have um, like prophetic dreams, and the dream is kind of still on my mind when I wake up, and I'm like, I need to write down some words, and I need to write down some words. And as I'm writing it, it just transforms into a poem. Sometimes it's when I'm just going through difficult things in life I'm trying to process it could be like a love relationship or a heartbreak I'll just write out my heart on paper so it's just everything and I don't have to be in a zen state and have everything set up right to write my poetry it just comes to me however yeah yeah you know you and I are very much the same like that because normally I'll dream something it gives me like one little idea I am right there with you. Some, I interview someone else and they get it through music, which I think is beautiful. They, they listen to a song and a poem just pops into their head. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Mine is like it's yours. Fascinating. It, it's dreams and meditation. I get mine. What do you mean by slow living? I understand the minimalism and most people view uh, minimalism is living with less. And living with, yes. <laughs> with less of everything, it's not just possessions, it's less. It's, to me, minimalism is also getting rid of toxic relationships in your life. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm, You're mm-hmm. minimalizing. Yes. So when you say slow living, are you referring to getting rid of 
um, toxic relationships? Are you, what do you mean by slow living? Slow living. Okay. So I think slow living, I guess almost like the (laughs) grandmother term that would kind of capture slow living, minimalism would be simplicity. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Slow living for me is an aspect, a crucial aspect of simple living, as is minimalism. But slow is an emphasis more on the pace. So more on the pace of like for me, like I'm a HSP, highly sensitive person. Like you, I I consider myself an ambivert. I'm almost equally extroverted and introverted but I do appreciate a lot of quality alone time just to gather myself rebalance do self-care and I just find like the pace or maybe I'm just getting older (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the The one I don't like to use (laughs) (laughs) but the pace of modern life is kind of set up or what we as a society more especially in industrialized nations or in westernized nations what we consider as successful living almost most times goes hand in hand with living a very overpacked, fast paced of lifestyle for the most part. When we live in that go, 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 rush, 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 doing, doing, doing way of existing, there is less time for being. There is less time for savoring life. It's hard to truly and deeply appreciate something when we don't even give it the time of day to look at it fully and you know it's like a piece of art a beautiful piece of art it's not something that should be looked at for a few minutes or like the social media thing where you're just scrolling and it's just like it's so fast it's something that should be supported and appreciated and really like take the time to look at it because that's how deeper relationship forms I say like slow living almost is not slowing down in life. It's slowing down to the pace of nature, which is our, as human being, like coming back to evolutionary biology, we essentially, we are nature. Like even though the technology has really, um, you know, advanced rapidly in the last couple of, I don't know, over maybe 200 years, what have you. But biologically, we are still quite primal beings, still in, tuned with the cycles of nature so it's like our biology hasn't caught up to our technology so we have to honor our biology by just slowing down to the pace of nature which is when hence where we came from so slow living is just taking time to live more mindfully taking time to also live more calmly because I find for the most part when we live slower when we live less stimulated go 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 type of life Life becomes more calmer, more serene, more peaceful. Like the peace naturally comes out of that stillness. You know, peace and stillness go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be peaceful. I mean, some people are Zen-like state or they're high level of awakening. They could be like in the middle of a busy city traffic and all, and they could be feeling blissed out. But for the most part, it's really hard. And since I started adopting slow living practices in my own life, it's just been a massive game changer in terms of enjoying life more, living with less stress, just owning my vulnerability and being okay with not doing everything at all at once and being superwoman. I've totally like got rid of my superwoman complex years ago. It's not worth it. (laughs) It It's like, you know, you try to be everything 
for yourself and everybody. Actually, you're being everything for everybody else. And then when you start asking yourself, what do you really want? It's none of what you're doing. You know, so yeah, yeah, you know that the slower living is just being in tune. And as a meditator like you are, I was the happiest when I was meditating and got interrupted, but was able to get right back to where I was. It's like, Mm -hmm. ah, I've gone to a different level of meditation where I can be back in tune to where I was. And that was, I thought that was like the biggest accomplishment in the world. (laughs) To be able to get to that point after you've been interrupted. I live in a busy city. You kind of have to learn to get back into it in a place that is, you're constantly hearing noise. Yeah. Yeah. What is a non-linear creative? Non-linear means essentially... I think in terms of it's to do with our neuronal process and how people think. So generally, I mean, there are obviously subsets to this, but generally I find there are two types of thinkers in the world. There are Mm -hmm. people who are more linear thinkers. It's like logical step, step by step, or they think within very um, defined narrow boxes. And there are non-linear thinkers in the sense that we don't, we can easily make connections between seemingly disparate themes. I don't like how I see, I look at the world in terms of webs. Everything can be connected to everything. And I think that it comes back to like, just owning the fact that I am multi-passionate. I'm a multi-potential. I don't have a calling. I don't have a calling in life and I don't want a single calling in life. And I've made peace with that. I think I spent so many years trying to like find what to concentrate my life on or what path to follow that singular purpose because we're fed that in society like find your purpose follow your passion it's not follow your passions it's follow your passions very singular and a non-linear thinker embraces the fact that like there are just many there are many avenues you can go in life there are many ways like how I solve a problem typically I don't kind of go step by step by step I go like let's see how this connects to that and this connects to that like you know even in my healing practice now like how I you know work with my clients it's very like you know some clients come to me and expect like oh let's just go through like a supplement protocol give me a weight loss protocol I'm like we're going to do that but you know like little things like space and stillness and boundaries and silence those are all healing tools as well. And they're like, what? (laughs) You know, (laughs) because it's how I see healing. I don't, I see healing ultimately as a return to balance and a return to wholeness. I see healing as addressing challenges in your mind, body, and spirit. If I just talk about just the body, to me, you can never get full healing because we are not just our bodies. And that's where the non-linear thinking thing comes into it as well. It's like, okay, so when I have a problem, I look at it like, you know, mind, body, spirit, and environment and lifestyle, (laughs) you know? So, yeah. And the people that hang out with you, who do you surround yourself with? Exact relationships. Sometimes you surround yourself with people that, and I hate to say this, that are just emotional vampires. Oh, definitely. Yes. And that is just toxic. They could be the nicest person under the sun, but if they're sucking the life out of you, they're not that nice of a person. And most people I find don't even realize they're doing that. 
I find in order to let go of toxic relationships, you have to work on why you're holding on to toxic relationships. What is that giving you? Is that giving you a sense of being needed? Is that giving you a sense of belonging? Then you need to find a new place to belong to. Oh, I love that. That's beautifully put. Like, as you were saying that, I was like, she could totally be like a therapist or a coach because (laughs) that is so beautifully put right there. Because you're right. Things serve us. If we're holding on to them, they're they are nurturing us on some level as twisted as it can be. That is so beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, because I, I believe our insecurities really dictate a lot of our behaviors and what we attract. Right. And I've learned the hard way. I was very upset with somebody. And then I realized, well, why did they upset me? And I said, oh, because my belief system said that I expected them to act this way, but that was my expectation. It was not theirs. So mm. even though I found it hurtful, mm. I was allowing it to hurt me because of my own perception. And again, it's great when you write it down because it went down in a poem and then I was able to analyze it. It's amazing mm. how poetry is so therapeutic. It is. It's therapy. I say poetry is powerful medicine. Yes. <laughs> You could let a therapist read it and they know you like this because Mm -hmm. it's true. It's your nature. It's true. And you did mention something. I'm going to switch this a little. You said HSP. Sure. Yes. Highly sensitive person. Person. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, which I think most people that are empathic, I mean, they say only 20% Mm -hmm. of people are HSPs. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I notice about being HSP is that when I'm in a group, I gather the energy of the group and Mm -hmm. it sometimes is overwhelming. I think that's why I need to, it can be when I come home, it has to be quiet because now I have to let go of the energy of, oh, you're totally like me like that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay. Sanctuary. (laughs) And it's not like it's toxic at all, but it's just, you pick up so much energy mm-hmm. that is just releasing it. There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't mean that the people were bad or anything yes. like that, but sometimes you're vulnerable to the energies of others. And mm-hmm. so you just, doesn't mean that the energy is bad. It could be wonderful energy. Yes. It could be very it's happy, but it's much. overwhelming. Yes. Yes. I get it's that overwhelming. a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think an aspect of it, just to add to that, is probably like when we have creative natures, I think just on our own, like our minds are very imaginative and almost busy in themselves. So when you have to couple that with processing the energies of others, it becomes a lot, you know, to even hear yourself think or like unwind your own thoughts. So. I found that with doing meditation and doing more work on myself, I'm more in tune to those energies now. Yes. Because when your mind is so busy, you don't have time to get in tune with the energies. So, I mean, it's good and bad at the same time, but I found (laughs) that because I'm more in tune to those energies that I need more time. time. Yeah. I need more time to balance. Is there anything that you would like to tell the audience? I would say for anyone in the audience who's listening, it's just the value of stepping into their authenticity and their own powerful voice, whatever that may be and whatever manifestation that may take. 
it's like what you said earlier about paying your dues and sometimes we pay dues for you know things that are not even ours so it's like which due do you want to pay for me it's worth paying your due for something that you know is true to you there's so much beauty power healing purpose to be had from just following one's own true voice or true voices if you're multi-passionate there's so much healing and for me it's just like I'm, I'm speaking to myself as well as anybody who needs the extra almost like encouragement just to like own your own voice and own your own truth and you may not always have support of people you think you should have support from but there is a support that comes more from the universe when you step into your truth it will always have your back it will it will bring people, experiences, um, tools into your life that will make it over time more doable to live your truth. It's just having that courage and step going into your heart and just knowing that you are doing the right thing for you. And that's all that really matters. I so relate with that because if you follow your true self and sometimes your mind is saying, oh, that's not going to work. But your soul says, God, that's where I really want to go. It's like, I really feel it inside of me to do it that way. And your mind tells you, oh, you're not going to make any money. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do And your mind is not a bad thing, people. We don't think of the mind as a bad thing because it protects us. But but it's, you know, whatever you feed it, it's what it's going to think. Yes. I find that if you find your true self, yeah, you might go through a difficult time because it's a learning process. Mm -hmm. We had to learn how to be outside ourselves. We had to learn how to be in school. We had to learn to be something that we thought we wanted to be, but realized later we didn't. We had to learn that. So following your soul will give you the incline or the direction of where to go to, but you still have to learn. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, it's not like magic. It's just going to pop in, but the doors will be open easier when you follow definitely yourself. definitely yes yes i agree yes. the doors are open a lot easier <laughs> a lot easier and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot lot easier exactly so how can people reach you right so yes um all my work can be found on my website which is manifestingalchemy.com you know I, I post regularly on there there's links to my poetry and more future things that I will be putting out there but yes everything could be found through my website and I'll also put all the notes on the bottom and all her contacts and you can read her beautiful bio and her poem thank you so much for joining us I really appreciate you have been so informative and Thank you. Thank you, Sonia, again for having me. Thank you for the beautiful work that you're putting out there. It's just great. It's it's great inspiration to be able to connect with heartfelt, poetic influencers, creative influencers like yourself. So thank you for just being you and putting out the magic. Thank you. Thank you. That's so kind of you. Everyone, thank you for joining. Please check her out. She is amazing. (laughs) And we're signing off. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and many other podcast platforms. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.